Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share hearts, to come before you and ask that you would be our teacher today. We thank you that you love us and care for us and you know exactly what's going on in our life. We pray that you'd free us from distractions, that you'd open our ears to hear you, our eyes to see you and where you're moving, and soften our heart that we might respond to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Please be seated, yes. Uh, I just rejoice in being with you. It's so beautiful to be in this building. I've been here several times for Diocesan events and even the tea, the amazing tea that you do with great music. And um, on that, I'm also very thankful for the worship today as uh, those songs just penetrate my heart. Um, what a joy also it is for me to know um, that my children are praying for me in California. Um, by the grace of God and the help of what's been going on in the diocese, um, I had tools and resources and encouragement and people to walk with to help me raise my children to know the Lord. And they're both going to a Christian college of their choice in, in California. It's a tough thing to let them go so far away, but I know that it's right and it's good and they are happy. Just to give you an example of what uh, that means, my daughter's first day as a freshman, her first class, an African teacher from Cameroon, um, said that he had started off his education studying about trees, thinking that he could help his country so much with uh, the planting of fruitful trees. And uh, what he realized shortly after that is that trees die, but souls are eternal. And that was the way my daughter started off her year. And I'm just, wow, you know, she's going to be learning more about God and her heart is to, to go and serve him. Um, perhaps in the mission field. So uh, this morning we've got a baptism. And, uh, you know, as we, I was told about that, I quickly went to my experience. I've got, um, I'm coming up to 30 years on Valentine's Day of marriage. Thanks be to God. And my wife's name is Jackie. And then I have a son named Peter and a daughter named Breezy. And uh, son's 20 and my daughter's 19. And uh, the first baptism was just uh, kind of overwhelming to me. It was at St. Michael's. I was a new in the uh, Episcopal Church, and um, I was their youth minister. And I just, as I said to the other service, I was lifting my child up kind of like the movie Roots, where Kunta Kinte was lifting up his child to, you know, in the sunlight and everything, uh, the moonlight. It's, it's just this man lifting up a child. And that's what I felt like I was doing with the body of believers. I'm lifting my child up to God, asking God to reveal himself to him. And I was lifting him up to God, also realizing that we were infertile for eight years. And it was through a healing prayer conference and many other prayers before that, that the womb opened and we were able to have two children and then it closed. And I give glory to God. So part of that lifting my child up was the recognition that this was a miracle. This, this time we had given up, we had lost hope um, and struggled with that. And now all of a sudden I have a son that bears my name. And he is Peter Frederick Rothermel the sixth. So the generational stuff. But what's crazy and awesome is that um, by the grace of God, the addictions that have plagued my generations um, are breaking through the power of Jesus Christ. Alcoholism and drug abuse and sexual stuff. 
being broken because of the saving power of Jesus Christ. So when my daughter came along, it was a totally different experience. I remember holding my daughter before the congregation. The congregation stating what it was that they believed. And it's like, yes, we believe the same thing. And by this time, I'd been there a few years, and I was able to look at people that I knew were serious about their relationship with God. John and Patty Sesnoski, some of you may know them. I was able to look at them and know they will help me raise my children to know the Lord and to know that I was not alone in this thing of trying to raise my children to know the Lord. Baptism in the Episcopal Anglican Church all of a sudden became such a beautiful and powerful and meaning, meaningful experience for me. And I hope and pray that it will be that for this family today. And I hope that we as a body of Christ will remember how important it is for us to stand by and to walk with families and others so that they might know and love and serve the Lord through encouragement, and through our prayers, through our modeling. Psalm 78 we read a few moments ago. Uh, the NIV talks about it like this. The different translation, New International Version says, Oh, my people, hear my cry. And at the end of that statement, there is an exclamation point. So it's like, listen up, guys. This is important. This is important. Here's what I want you to do. This is what you need to do as you get ready to go in the promised land because you're going to a place where they do not know me. They do not know God. So this is what you need to do. You need to tell of the wonders of what I have done or what God has done. Tell them of the wonderful miracles, of the parting of the Red Sea, of delivering the people, God's people, from bondage and slavery. To tell them of God providing food, manna, each day, daily bread, what was necessary. Of the mighty clouds that would lead them by day and the pillar of fire that would lead them by night. Tell them of these wondrous ways that you saw God deliver you. Tell that to your children. Tell it to your grandchildren. This is an invitation. Fathers, grandfathers, families, parents. Tell the next generation and even the generation yet to come. It's a vision not just for their own lives. Like we've been sucked into, into America. I, me, it's all about me. Get it your way. But no, this is a multi-generational vision, not just me, not just my children, but my children's children. I want to raise my children in the faith. I want to model it for them so that they would be able to do that with their children and the children yet to come, and that the faith may be passed from generation to generation. But Psalm 78 starts out with, oh, my people. Primary responsibility is parents. They've been given the greatest influence over the hearts of their children. Yes, we can send our children to Sunday school and they can learn about Jesus. But if it only takes place in Sunday school and church and maybe another time during the week, that's a small amount compared to all the forces that they're or we are living in day by day. But how powerful it is to see faith modeled in the home to experience praying together. I mean, for me as a believer, saved from a dark life, to be able to share my heart and the love that I have with Christ, with my wife and my children, 
to talk about what God is doing and to see him moving in our family, it's so rich, it's so beautiful, so powerful. Not easy, but so worth it. So, oh, my people is, is all of us, God's people. So it's the parents and the grandparents, primary responsibility and privilege of passing the faith to the next generation. Not just Christian education, not just knowing this stuff, but faith, trusting in God. Telling of the wonders that he's done for us. Oh, my people, God's people, the people of St. Paul's. In a moment, you'll be saying your baptismal covenant. In it, we say, this is what I believe. And then we go on to say, will you help this family? Do all in your might to help this family know and love and serve the Lord. And we will say what? We will. We will what? We'll walk with you. We'll pray with you. This is a serious commitment. These are hard times. There is definitely a spiritual warfare. I don't know if you've noticed that. And uh, for my position in Christian faith formation, it's a matter of all hands on deck. I heard uh, when I first started this position about 12 years ago, after 11 youth years of youth ministry, I saw it. But what I heard, my youth ministry experience validated, is that George Barna quoted that 75% of young people who grow up in the church with some of the greatest curriculums that we've ever experienced and the high, well-educated children's ministry people and youth ministry people, even with all these great resources, awesome buildings and stuff, kids are leaving the church by age 20, 75%. This is just one study that was done. I heard Bodie Bauckham's statistic said 88% of young people who grow up into the church leave it by the time they enter college years. Do you see that? In your church? In the churches you may visit? Where are the young people? There are some churches that are thriving with young people. What I had to learn the hard way as I started working with grandparents so I used to go around and work with parents and quote these statistics. And then I started working with grandparents, thanks to Kathy Jacobs, who's a member here, um, in her heart for grandparents. As I started to work with grandparents, all of a sudden I go, oh my God, these statistics, they're right here in this room as I'm working with grandparents. Many of the grandparents I work with, their children may be too busy, they're not going to church. They're not getting their grandchildren to church. Or... Some have completely rebelled and don't want anything to do with God, and some don't even want to do anything with their parents. One of the uh, children at Grand Camp that we do down at Camp St. Christopher that has taken my heart, at five years old, he came two years ago. He asked Christ into his heart. We asked, well, where do you feel that? He said, right here in his arms. Came back the next year with no church stuff going on the whole year. His father's in jail for heroin. I don't think he knows that. Mother just got remarried. He came back to Grand Camp, just shining. That faith's still there. And uh, his grandparents have such a powerful influence. Parents dropped the ball. It's not there, but the grandparents stepped in. And because of them caring enough to bring them to Grand Camp and being intentional, they're able to share their love for Christ and expose them to a community of believers. And this young person maybe will beat the odds. 
as the body of Christ surrounds and walks with and prays to help this young man not have to fall into the addictions and brokenness of the previous generation of his father. Another painful piece about the grandparenting ministry, about parenting ministry, is the, the reality of where are the men? Why are men not active in their faith? Maybe it's different at this church, but a lot of men, and maybe it's the feminization of the church, maybe it's the feminization of the curriculums that are written by women, but somehow men aren't there. But if you read the Old Testament and you, you re read about the followers of Jesus, man, it was different. A relationship with Christ means an adventure. Come and follow me. Come and see what I can do. Transformation, changed lives, miracles. Come on, guys. Let's get involved. What could be more important than the eternal souls of our children? I mean, do we believe this stuff? Yeah, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Okay. You believe that? What's that mean about the rest of the book, of what it talks about? Jesus spent a lot of time talking about something I don't like to talk about. The reality of eternal consequences of what happens if you don't believe. And a lot of us don't want to deal with that. It's too painful. I experienced that with my parents. My parents raised in the Episcopal Church. Went, they call themselves Episcopal, but they didn't go to church when I was growing up. Maybe my dad's faith was taken out in World War II. That's a common story. War sucked life out of a lot of men. Just shut them up. Didn't know how, to, know how to talk about it. But the reality is, there is an eternal destiny. If we believe what Jesus says about heaven and eternal life, if we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then we need to deal with these words of what he says about if you don't believe in him. If you don't believe So I wrestled with it. I could not pray for my parents. It hurt too much. So I understand parents and grandparents, if your children aren't walking with the Lord, that you might just shut it off. Or maybe you are a universalist right now, believing that, well, whatever way, somehow they'll get there. But I say, the truth is, this is a war, and it ain't over till it's over. And we need to join together and continue to pray and walk through the pain and fight for the soul's I still believe, you know, we don't know necessarily, like, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure my parents are in heaven and all that kind of stuff, but I know, and I was shaken by the reality of uh, the pastors and priests that, from St. Michael's that spent time with my dad before he died, and he said, when he prayed the Lord's Prayer, he prayed it with great humility, and all of a sudden I realized, wow, the Lord's Prayer, praying in humility, that is a prayer of salvation, isn't it? recognizing God as your father and humbling yourself before him and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Whoa, that's a heavy little line right there, isn't it? The truth of this stuff. So if it is a war, don't we need each other? And the other part that just blows my mind is the reality of how we've been conformed to the patterns of this world with Christian education. See, it was that way uh, with me. I, you know, the, the van was 
the living room. That's where we spent so much time as we took our kids from activity to activity. But what's it look like for a child if they're going to sports and then the music and the school and then the Sunday school, you know, or maybe a Wednesday thing, but it's just another activity on the list unless it's lived out in the home. Ladies and gentlemen, parents and grandparents, if you want to know that your kids are going to go with the Lord, it's to live it out. Even if you've got a 40-year-old child that's not walking with the Lord, continue to do what we are told in the great command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Impress this on your children. Teach diligently. It doesn't say, and then, you know, at a certain age it's over. No, there are children and our grandchildren. We've been given the privilege and the responsibility. But in the Deuteronomy 6, and what Jesus had talked about is the most important of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It says in Deuteronomy that you are to impress the hearts of your children. How? How are you to do this? Well, when you're walking in the morning or maybe driving your car. Or when you wake up and before you send your kids out, talk about God. In the afternoon, in the evening, when you're saying prayers, at the, you know, say prayers with your kids at night. It said basically all the time. And it's so intense that it talks about, you know, paint these scriptures on the walls so that your children would see them. And uh, wear them on your wristlets and wear them on your head. I mean, is this not like, you know, just everywhere and in everything you do in all? Share about God and about who he is before you go into this land that will be against what you believe, that don't, do not know me. Romans 12 talks about, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is. In view of God's mercy, what is that for you? For me, the first place I go with in view of God's mercy, it's the mercy that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, for you. And he rose again. His blood was shed so that we could have the forgiveness of sin. If you read in the book of Romans up to chapter 12, over and over again, you hear about what God's amazing mercies are. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No one is without sin. Sin separates us from God. Also talks about that power. If you ask Christ into your life, that power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, the Holy Spirit. The three main questions of life. Why am I here? Do I have purpose? Where do I go when I die? So we're all answered in Jesus Christ. The science of our world tells us you're just here. And then you die. You have no purpose. It's kind of hopeless, isn't it? I think... What we have is very valuable. So valuable that it's talking about eternity. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are saved and will have eternal life. Is that not worth it to pass on to the next generation, to fight for? Is that not worth it to walk together with others and encourage and to pray and be a part of a community? Moving on, oh my people, Hear my cry. Do whatever you can. Parents and grandparents, you have it in your hands. What are you going to do with it? Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. I've been conformed to the pattern of this world. I fight it every day. 
How? Word of God, times like this, brothers and sisters in Christ, Christian music, various things. I know what it was like to be conformed heavily into the power of this world. As a new believer, I, I chose the other path. I went for the drugs and the alcohol and the sex and everything. And I was miserable. It was moments of pleasure. But I, if I was going into drugs, I was going full on, listening to all the right music. You know, a lot of music about partying out there. A lot of music about physical relationships, my language, everything. My language was so bad that I went over to a friend's house for dinner and every other word was a swear word. I couldn't talk with adults. I was conformed to the pattern of this world. I dressed right. I spoke right. I didn't know. I had to be transformed by Jesus Christ. And that was one of the scariest things about it is how do I talk to people? I don't know how to talk to people anymore because I only know this world. But Jesus Christ transformed. How? Through the power of his Holy Spirit. How? Through the help of community. How? Through the word of God. And these are the resources that parents are not passing. We're not reading the scriptures with our children. We're not praying with our children. Some are, but the majority aren't. 75%, 88%, 88%. That's like one person out of 10 that goes through Sunday school if the parents aren't involved most likely that they won't be walking with the Lord. Age-segregated Sunday school is all great, but the bad part about being separated all the time as children and in youth group is that that's one of the reasons why young people aren't connected to the church, because they don't know the older people. And what on earth have we done? Older people, I hope you have wisdom to pass to me. Tell me how I'm going to make it now that my kids are out in college and I'm an empty nest and how do you pay for college and how there's a lot of fears it's like oh who's my wife again anybody been there anybody done that help me <laughs> you know that I'm saying that because that's the truth is that people want help young people 20 year olds 30 year olds they want help older people biblical model says come alongside and share what you know walk together there's wisdom from elders so part of the reason young people don't Stay with the faith and get plugged into churches because they've been separated all along and then they're meant to come back to this place that they don't really know. So may this church continue to pursue this faith at home vision. May the generations connect. One of the most beautiful things for me as a father was to bring my son to the men's conference. Welcomed into the company of men. As I travel around the diocese, hey, how's P6 doing? How's your son doing? How cool to know that there's a body of believers that even know his name, and I pray for him and care for him. What an amazing thing it is to be a part of the body of Christ. So, family, to get ready, baptize your children. Know that you're not alone. Know that you have the most amazing thing in the world to pass a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's scary, but it's possible. The Spirit of God knows your children. He knows you. He knows how. But the beauty of it is, He's inviting us to seek him with the most precious treasure we've been given in our own family, to seek him, to seek the Lord and allow him. I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercies, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. No longer be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Lord, I offer you my marriage. I believe in Hollywood, not holy word. Lord, I offer you my success. I'm meant to be making a lot of money right now and have savings and, you know, retirement. 
offer you that burden that I want to live for you, Lord. You're much more important. I offer myself as a living sacrifice. Lord, I know these people around here, I, I don't want to talk to this guy that I'm sitting to on the, next to on the plane. I'm tired, but Lord, I, I offer myself to you as a living sacrifice. If you want me to speak up and try and talk about you, okay, I'm here, I'm available, I'm yours. He paid the price. He took my place. What else can I do but offer myself as a... I urge you, St. Paul's, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. I urge you as you get ready for the baptismal covenant, oh, my people, hear my cry. Share of these things of God. May we rejoice and celebrate what he's given us. I want to talk all day about this stuff. It's just so awesome. So I'll be here for Sunday school. Um, thank you, St. Paul's, for serving the Lord, for offering your spaces, for the people here who contributed for this building to exist so that the next generations may know the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for offering yourself, making yourself known. Please help, Father God, the parents and the families and the grandparents to continue to seek you, to love you and to serve you and offer themselves and lift up all the brokenness of family. Pray that you bring healing and redemption, hope. Be alive, Lord Jesus. We invite you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.